It's important to practice safe protection measures when spending time in the sun. Being outdoors may come with consequences unless we're actively protecting our body from skin cancer. We're going to talk about it today with Dr. Ali Lashkari, a board-certified dermatologist at Ridgecrest Regional Hospital. This is the Ridgecrest Regional Hospital Podcast. I'm Prakash Chandran. So first of all, Dr. Lashkari, it's great to have you here. Why exactly is it so important for us to keep our skin protected? Well, there are multiple reasons why it's important to keep your skin protected. First of all, it's been proven that sunburn and chronic sun damage can, are the causative factors for two types of skin cancer, basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinomas. It is also a very important factor in melanoma development, although melanomas are also, genetics is also an important factor for uh, melanoma development. The other important reason to keep your skin protected is that 80% of aging is due to chronic sun exposure. Signs of aging such as lentigines, wrinkles, texture change, which is that leathery skin look, and looseness of skin have all been attributed to chronic sun exposure. Furthermore, skin gets thinner due to uh, sun damage and which can cause bruising. For example, those purple spots that we see in older skin on the forearms, that's due to chronic sun exposure. When you say sun exposure, I'm sure a lot of us listening to this are wondering what exactly that means. You know, like right now for me, for example, you know, I may go outside a couple times a day, but at what point uh, does it become harmful to my skin? And are there best practices that I should be following? Sure. So, of course, you know, when you get sunburns, that's the, that's the one thing everyone needs to prevent because sunburns are the one thing that cause the most damage to the DNA in the skin cells, which then cause, over time, can cause skin cancers. So the most important thing one can do is prevent or limit exposure during those times of the day from 10 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon when the sun is most intense. So things like sun avoidance, staying in the shade as much as possible, applying sun uh, screen sunblocks, and wearing protective clothing are things you can do to limit the sun exposure. So speaking of sunscreen or sunblock, I think most of us believe that if we apply enough of it, especially with a high enough SPF, we should be okay. Is that true? Uh, well, it's partially true. It does matter how much sunscreen you put on. So you need to put on a, a significant amount to cover the skin uh, that's exposed to the elements completely. But the type of sunscreen that you use is also very important. Ideally, you want to use a sunscreen that has ingredients zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And the SPF should be SPF 30 or higher. And in addition, when you apply the sunscreen is important. You want to apply the sunscreen at least 20 to 30 minutes prior to uh, exposure to the sun. Okay, that's that's a really good tip because I know for a fact that me and most of my friends, as soon as we go to the beach, we're already in the sun, we apply it and we think we're ready to go. So is there anything else that we need to know about uh, sunscreen and how we should be applying it? 
Yes. So beyond the 30 minutes prior to exposure application, it's really important to also know what the active ingredients of the sunscreen should be. Uh, the, the two best ingredients are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Uh, so you need to look at the back of the sunscreen and look for those ingredients as the main ingredients. Furthermore, if someone is outdoors for long periods of time, they need to reapply the sunscreen every two hours. And finally, uh, wearing uh, wide brim hats and some protective clothing are also important. Okay, great. And just before I get into the next uh, question here, you know, we're talking about getting sunburn and there's that direct correlation with that UV radiation. Can you talk a little bit about UV radiation and the relationship that it has with our bodies and then how it leads to potential skin cancer? Sure. So UV radiation or ultraviolet rays basically, as I mentioned before, damage the DNA within the nucleus of the skin cells. This then results in, over time, results in precancer formation, which are these rough spots that develop on the skin that are persistent, and they're referred to as actinic keratoses. These actinic keratoses then can develop into skin cancer over time. Of course, repeated sun exposure may augment how quickly those turn into uh, skin cancer. And as I mentioned previously, the sun exposure UV rays also then cause premature aging. So you mentioned those actinic keratoses. What are the early symptoms or signs that those are developing into skin cancer? Cancer. Right. So the thing about skin cancer, unfortunately, is that there may not be any early symptoms. So you may not have, you know, itching, burning, pain or anything like that associated with skin cancer. But there are signs. And one of the signs is what I mentioned, that uh, you get these rough peeling spots that just persist uh, and eventually may thicken into what we call cutaneous horns, which are these really rough raised spots. And those are the precursors for basal cell and squamous cell carcinomas. In regards to melanoma, there really is no uh, symptom. What you need to look for are irregular moles. So an irregular moles can look or feel exactly the same as uh, normal skin textures, but they're, you know, irregularly pigmented, uh, irregularly shaped, asymmetrical, larger in size. And so those are the signs of what we need to look for. Unfortunately, there may be no symptoms, though. I see. Okay. That's good to know. So how, you know, for someone that spends a lot of time in the sun, what's the best way to just, you know, monitor themselves so they're constantly on the lookout for, you know, some of these potential developments on the layer of their skin? Right. So the most important thing is regular skin checks that one can give to himself or herself. So monthly skin checks in front of a mirror is important. The same way as one would women especially, but men should do uh, self-breast exams, they should also do self-skin exams. So you stand in front of a mirror and look at uh, your skin to see, to become familiar with the moles that you have. You know, of course, melanomas are the most serious types of skin cancer. They're the ones that can metastasize or spread to other body parts. So the most important thing to recognize are changing moles. 
So again, you're looking for a mole that uh, becomes more irregular, has different colors, is asymmetrical looking. So that's one way. And then the other thing is, you know, feel the skin for these rough spots. And most of the time, these develop on sun-exposed skin. So on the face, arms, if you feel a spot that just does that persists and doesn't go away, you want to have that checked. Okay. So I want to move into diagnosis and treatment. So how exactly is skin cancer diagnosed and then eventually treated? Well, the diagnosis is usually, of course, by if you do notice some kind of a change or something that doesn't feel right or look right, you go see your physician. And many times, if you are initially seeing your primary care physician, they may be able to diagnose it. Or if not, they refer you to a dermatologist who can then, of course, uh, you know, diagnose the, any lesion that you have as to whether it's just an early precursor to skin cancer or, or maybe it's a benign thing. But so seeing your physician is the most important thing. They would usually, if it's something that's suspicious, would do a biopsy on the lesion and determine if it's uh, skin cancer. If they know that it's not a skin cancer and it's a precursor like the actinic keratosis that I was mentioning, that can then be treated with either liquid nitrogen, which is called cryotherapy, or there are creams that can treat precancers uh, or actinic keratosis. In regards to the precursor to melanoma, which are atypical molds, those would need to be excised, first of all, to make sure they're not melanomas yet, and also to prevent them from turning into melanomas. Got it. So just as we wrap up here, one thing that I always like to ask is, you know, you as a board certified dermatologists have seen many different cases and cases obviously uh, related to skin and skin cancer. What is one thing that you might share with people who are worried about their skin health? Something that you have learned overseeing all of the hundreds of patients uh, that you've helped serve. Okay. So one thing that I want people to uh, realize that skin cancer is very treatable in general. The majority of skin cancers are basal cell and squamous cell carcinomas, and those are very treatable. As I mentioned previously, the cure rate is quite high with those types of skin cancer. And even if there is recurrence, you know, they, they can be treated again and re-excised, and the prognosis is very good. The other thing is that, you know, it's, people can be involved in their skin health by, you know, taking care of their skin being careful with sun exposure, and that can make a big difference uh, in having healthy skin. And one of the most important things that I want, especially younger people to know, that tanning beds are really very unsafe. So the type of uh, UV uh, light that tanning beds provide are UVA radiation, ultraviolet A radiation, and that actually penetrates deeper into the skin and can cause uh, more damage. And if there is repeated use during adolescence and early adulthood, it increases risk of developing melanoma. So I think that's an important uh, thing to uh, realize, especially uh, you know, for younger individuals to be very uh, careful uh, with that. And, and people think that, okay, if I'm going to the tanning bed, I'm getting vitamin, uh, you know, I'm helping with vitamin D formation, and that's completely uh, false as well. 
Okay. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I did not know that. And just as we close here, you mentioned vitamin D. I'm sure people uh, in this country, they kind of always or they're aware that they're vitamin D deficient. So do you have a recommended amount of time they should be spending in the sun to get that uh, vitamin D? So it's really uh, thought that the amount of sun exposure that we get through routine you know, exposure, being outdoors, you know, getting in out of our cars or just going to shopping or things like that is all the amount of sun that one needs for vitamin D formation. I always tell my patients, as long as you get 15 minutes a couple of times a day at different times, that's probably adequate sun exposure. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't become vitamin D deficient because sun is not all that's needed for vitamin D formation. And there are plenty of people who are very tanned and get plenty of sun and they're still vitamin D deficient. So we need to make sure our nutrition, our diet is adequate, has enough, uh, you know, vitamin D in it. And sometimes that's not enough. As we get older, we need to have vitamin D supplementation. So all of that is important. Well, Dr. Lashkari, this has been hugely informative, and I really appreciate your time today. That's Dr. Ali Lashkari, a board-certified dermatologist at Ridgecrest Regional Hospital. Thanks for checking out this episode. Head to rrh.org slash podcast for more information. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels, and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks, and we'll talk next time.